Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want to read you this story in Mark. Mark chapter 9 or Mark as... What are you laughing at me for? I'm giving that a go. Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 14. And uh, I'm going to read it. It's a longer story, but I'm going to read it because uh, I know God's going to do something this morning. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has, he, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, deaf, dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. If you follow the story further on, he goes down and the disciples Ask Jesus later on, why couldn't we deliver the boy? And Jesus said, this, this type of spirit, this type of breakthrough only happens through prayer and through fasting. I want to just share some things in this story. I've read this story before. Maybe if you've been in church, you've seen this story before. Looking at this story, the thing that originally, initially rather jumps out at us in this story is one, the scribes. Uh, if you like lack of faith, the disciples' inability to deliver on this miracle. These are things that initially reading the story, these are the sort of running themes that, if you like, jump out at us. The man's um, situation with his son is a serious situation. As I'm reading, I was reading this story a few weeks ago and I want to set it up for you. What's happened is Jesus, prior to this story, Jesus has gone up to the mountain to pray. He took Peter, James and John with him. This is the story where he goes up to pray and the transfiguration happens and Jesus comes back down. And, and as we read in the story, the crowd see him and it's the, it says that, they're, um, he's, that the crowd are amazed. Um, theologians say that most likely the reason why they're so amazed is Jesus is actually still glowing 
from this transfiguration, this encounter that he's had. So he comes down. There's quite a commotion going on. You have this situation that Jesus has stepped into where there is an argument happening between the scribes and the disciples. The disciples, prior to this, the disciples had been seeing breakthrough. Because when Jesus, earlier on, a few chapters earlier, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out. And the Bible actually said that they went out and cast out demons in Jesus' name. But what happens in this story, I don't know whether the disciples got overconfident. I don't know whether they got a little slack in their prayer life. Or maybe it was simply that they came up against something that was operating on a, on a greater level than their faith had been operating in. Regardless of the fact that the results are the same, they can't cast out the, this demon. And so Jesus steps up into the, the situation and he asks the scribes, he says to the scribes, what are you talking about? And then this, this man speaks out and tells Jesus of the situation. What caused me to look at this story again and see that something else is going on is actually Jesus' response to the man. When you look at the story, it's pretty heartless, really. This man, Jesus comes into the scene. This man has a horrible situation. When you look at the story and he's got a sick son and Jesus comes into the story and Jesus says, what's happening? This man starts to explain how his son is sick. And the disciples couldn't heal him. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus says to, the Bible says, Jesus responded to the man and said, you faithless generation. That's, that's God talk for you're all a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Jesus doesn't. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't say that to the scribes. He could have said, you scribes are so faithless. It's not what he said. He could have said, you disciples, you're faithless. Because both of those at this point had shown a lack of faith. The man in the natural, in the practical, outwardly at this point, later on in the story, we see the man does have a lack of faith. But at this point, the man hasn't demonstrated a lack of faith. He's just telling Jesus about the situation. But how many know that Jesus can see past our exterior? That Jesus can see beyond the exterior that we put up to say, I'm in faith, I'm believing. Jesus can see beyond all of that and He speaks to not what's happening on the outside, but what is deep down within us. And Jesus says to them all. In other words, what He's saying is when He says faithless generation, He's saying, why don't you have more faith? I want to show you this story again from a different perspective that I believe the Lord showed me. Because I want to talk about something that I think this morning is so powerful and so fundamental to our walk with God. I want you for a moment to get in the, in the mind, if you like, or in the situation of this man. 
This man is a dad. He's a father. I'm a father. I've got a nine-month, almost 10-month-old. His son is incredibly sick. We talked, the, 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 the story outlines how bad the sickness is. He's, there's a demonic possession going on. This kid has throws himself into the fire, hurts himself, harms himself. I want you to get into the mind of this father. This father hears that Jesus has been healing people. This father at home, when he hears of it, gets excited in thinking that all I need to do is just get my son to where this Jesus is. So this father gets excited. He packs up everything. He starts heading to where he believes and word has gotten out that Jesus is going to be. But look at what happens when the father gets to where he thinks Jesus is going to be. Jesus is not there. So the father pulls himself together, pulls himself together, tries to not get too disheartened and figures, well, his disciples are here. I've heard that they can heal. Maybe I'll ask his disciples. So this dude talks to the disciples and says to the disciples, can you heal my son? He builds up his faith to expect because he's heard the stories of disciples healing people before and setting people free before. So the disciples pray for him. The man had an expectation that something was going to happen. But then when the disciples prayed for him, nothing happened. To make matters worse, in the middle of what's going on, there's a crowd around you have the scribes that are there. The scribes are the religious people. The religious people hated Jesus and hated the disciples. So this poor boy doesn't get healed. His dad is there disheartened. And to make matters worse, an argument starts between the disciples that were supposed to have faith and these religious leaders. Can you picture this scenario? Now you have this poor man who has brought his son to where he thought Jesus was going to be. Jesus was not there. He asked his disciples. The disciples did not heal him. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the faith. Now there's a dispute. There's an argument between the religious leaders and Jesus' disciples. So you have this, this man there with his son, but then he looks up and he sees Jesus coming. He gathers himself together and starts to get excited once again because here is now the healer. So the crowd, the Bible says, the crowd runs up to Jesus and the man knows that Jesus knows he had, he had called out people before. He knew what was going on without having to ask questions. He knew who needed the healing. He knew who was sick in the crowd. The man is waiting for Jesus to call out his son and set his son free. But Jesus comes down to the crowd and Jesus doesn't address the son. Jesus waltzes up to the scribes and says, what are you talking about? Of all the people to address in this crowd, the scribes. Can you imagine this dad? I'll be like, Jesus, are you for real? 
I wait here. Your stupid disciples don't deliver. You've been chilling up the hill and you come down and want to have a conversation with these scribes. I've got a sick son. Frustration builds in him so much that when Jesus addresses, and you look at the story, Jesus addresses the scribes and he asks the scribes what's going on. Finally, the frustration has built up in this father so much so that he cannot keep his mouth shut. And the father speaks up. The scribes don't answer Jesus. Jesus never addressed the father, yet the father just spoke out of turn. And he says, teacher, now you're starting to see perhaps a perspective the Father is coming in. The fact that He uses the word teacher gives you an idea. A lot of people at that point were referring to Him as Messiah, as Lord, but not this man. This man is calling Him teacher. Because he's annoyed. I'm fed up. I believed for something and it hasn't happened. Now Jesus asks what's going on. This man says, I'll tell you what's going on. I bought my son. He is sick. This is how bad the situation is. This is what's going on. Look at the wording that he uses. And he says, I asked your disciples. There's a sense of, Shifting the blame. I brought them to your disciples, the ones that are supposed to have all the power, the ones that are supposed to be setting people free. They're your disciples. Would not, should not they be the ones that can carry the type of anointing that'll set my kid free? I'll tell you what's going on, Jesus. I want you to understand this perspective of this man. Because I think there's something that is so powerful in this story that if we apply to our life, what I'm really saying is this man feels let down by God. You could keep, you know, we could keep talking about it more, but to, to cut it short, this man has come with such expectation. And has been let down. Have you ever felt like God let you down? You ever felt like you had the faith, but God didn't deliver? Maybe you feel like it now. Maybe you constantly feel like you're believing for a breakthrough that does not happen. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is, I want to talk to you about the dilemma of disappointment. The dilemma of disappointment. Disappointment is the feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. This man had hoped that Jesus was going to heal his son. This man had heard the stories 
He had come with an expectation, but what he thought was going to happen, the place he thought Jesus was going to be when he arrived, Jesus was not there. And further to it, the disciples that were there could not deliver. Now he's caught in this dilemma. And it's the dilemma of disappointment. Because now the problem is that he has at this point this disappointment that has built from shattered expectation after another, after another. Now, what's the dilemma of disappointment? Now Jesus is in front of him. This is his moment. But he's so bound in the disappointments of the past that he is missing his moment for his miracle now. It's the dilemma of disappointment. If I believe in you now, it means I can, I'm going to have to let go of my disappointment. But I want to hold on to my disappointment. I want to hold you to every single thing I felt like you let me down in. But the problem is now I'm in front of you. And instead of asking for my miracle, I mouth out and start talking about what hasn't happened. It's the dilemma of disappointment. We want to move forward, yet we want to drag what hasn't happened with us. We want to step into what God is calling us to, but we're so disappointed at what hasn't happened. We're so disappointed at the way things went down. And disappointment has lodged in our hearts. It can be so easy to get disappointed. Disappointment, it's a subtle tactic, I believe, of the enemy. Not angry, I'm just disappointed. Not upset, I'm just disappointed. I'm not, I'm not frustrated, but I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Disappointment. It slows our approach to God, closes our hands and holds back our heart. Disappointment is the first seed of doubt. I want to tell you disappointment that is not dealt with in your life. Past disappointments that have, have not been healed and deal with, deal, dealt with by the power of God will hold you back in the next season that God is calling you to. Maybe it's not believing and praying for the breakthrough. Maybe it's letting go of past disappointment. If disappointment is not dealt with, it will then open the door to discouragement. 
In verse 17, this is his moment. This dude has been waiting. His son's sick. Jesus is there in front of him. And what does he do? He starts telling Jesus how bad it is. The Messiah, the healer, the one you're waiting for, this dude, they say, has just come off the mountain and they say he is glowing. That's why the crowd is amazed. How caught up in your past disappointments can you get that when you're standing in the middle of your breakthrough and you start talking about how bad your situation is? I wonder how quickly things would shift in our life if our prayer life was more full of worship and praise than it was of our issues. He starts saying, Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. Jesus, this is how bad it is. You are standing in front of your breakthrough. Shut up and get your miracle. Believe that He's the God you read about and say, Jesus, you know it's bad. It doesn't matter how bad it is, but there's an opportunity for a breakthrough. Would you move in my life now? You see how the disappointment has now led to discouragement. Discouragement that causes us to be overcome by our circumstances. It's built up. That's what's interesting in this story. This man, maybe if he had a thrown off disappointment, the moment he arrived at where he thought Jesus was going to be and Jesus wasn't there, maybe if he had thrown it off right there and then, this would have been a better journey for him. But he allowed one disappointment to then piggyback off the next. Do you ever have a bad day that you feel like starts bad and just gets worse? You start the day and, and you go to get dressed and your clothes are, are dirty or you put on something and it's got a stain on it you didn't know about. Then you go downstairs and you get your favourite cereal out of the cupboard, pour it in the bowl only to find out that there is no milk. Dear Jesus. You then go to make coffee. There's not enough beans left to make the coffee. You get in your car. You left your sunglasses at home. Your phone battery's not working. You get every single red light on the way to work. You pick up your friend to go to work. You're all pumped to jump in the HOV lane, but that idiot will not let you over. It's almost like it's simple... And it's so basic, but we can so quickly allow one tiny simple thing. It's not, it doesn't start. See, the enemy's not dumb enough to begin the journey with anger. He'll start it with just a simple disappointment. He'll say things like this, doesn't that suck? Why does this always happen to you? And what we do is it's such a simple thing. Why does this always happen to you? It's cereal, bro. Get over it. Get a bagel from Starbucks. 
But what happens is something so simple can get in our mind and we're like, oh, stupid cereals, never. I bet now something else bad is going to happen. What else bad can go wrong in my day now? We joke about it, but so often that's how we operate and we start having an expectation for the bad. It starts with just a simple disappointment. Despite the presence of his solution in front of him, he's so consumed with his circumstances. Disappointment, if it's not dealt with, will lead to discouragement. Discouragement will then open the door to disillusionment. Disillusionment. Now, so many things have gone wrong. What is even the point? Why bother? Look at this. Look at this. This is so interesting to me. This man has gone through this build up to this moment. Look at this story. And if you read the story, finally, they have this discussion. Finally, the man finishes talking about how bad his situation is. And Jesus says to him, bring him to me. Now, hang on a second. Dad, you mean to tell me that you brought your son all the way from your house? Your son who is sick, who fits, who has seizures, who wants to throw his own body into the fire. You go through that journey. You wait for Jesus. He's not there. The disciples are arguing. All of these things happen. Finally, Jesus shows up. You talk about how bad the situation is and your son is not even right there with you. Hang on a second. You mean to tell me that Jesus, when He's ready to operate the miracle and breakthrough in your life, Jesus has to send someone to go and get your kid? I got one question for this dude when I get to heaven. Where in the heck was your kid? Did you get so caught up and so disillusioned that the very thing you were believing for in breakthrough, the moment you had your opportunity, you're not even there ready. Your heart is so disappointed that you're there in the natural, but your breakthrough is far from you. You're there in church on Sunday, but you left the very thing you need a breakthrough. You left that at home. You left that in the car. You're so worried about this and going through these issues and bitter about this that's happened and the past issue with this, that the moment Jesus is ready to do a miracle, you're left saying, well, I mean, I've left that in my disappointed past. That hit me, church, so bad. That hit me and I was like, bro, I'd be holding that kid. I would just throw that kid in front of Jesus. You compare this man's, the difference between what this man is operating in and the woman with the issue of blood. There's such a radical difference, isn't there? 
Look at the difference in faith. This woman didn't allow disappointment. She didn't, she didn't even need to have a conversation with Jesus. She said, just get me there. If He acknowledges me or not, it doesn't matter. I've got so much faith and expectation in what's upon His life. I know I've got issues. I know I'm sick. I know I've got problems. I know things have not been perfect in my life. But just get me to where Jesus Jesus is, and I'll draw that breakthrough out of him. I got that level of expectation. Don't let the disappointments of what hasn't happened yet cloud your view of what still can happen. You may have every reason in the natural to be disappointed, to be upset. To be broken hearted, to be discouraged, to be disillusioned. But you've got an opportunity for a breakthrough right there in front of you if you would just let go of the disappointment and grab a hold of the breakthrough. And when he saw him, the Bible says, when he saw Jesus, so they get the son, they bring the son to Jesus. And the Bible says that the moment the son sees Jesus, he has a fit in that moment. Isn't it interesting that I think so often in our life, the enemy can spot a breakthrough coming before we can. See, the enemy, what was in this boy saw the opportunity for a breakthrough before the dad even saw it. I want to tell you, sometimes your greatest breakdowns happen before your biggest breakthroughs. Sometimes your biggest battles where you feel like you've got to walk through hell itself are happening for the reason that the enemy can see the breakthrough that you are about to step into. Do not get disillusioned during the breakdown because a breakthrough is coming on the other side. Give God praise if you believe. So he asked him, and I've got to go quick. So you asked him and he said, how long has this been happening? Man says from childhood, he's thrown him down both into the fire and into the water. Firstly, that's so interesting to me that Jesus asks him. Whenever you see Jesus ask a question, he's never looking for an answer. He, he, he's not, he doesn't. He's not asking a question because he's trying to reveal an answer to himself. He's asking a question because he's trying to reveal a deeper issue to us. Jesus knows exactly how long the boy's been doing this. Maybe, maybe what Jesus was speaking to when he said, how long has this been happening? Maybe he wasn't speaking to the sick boy. Maybe what Jesus was doing, he was speaking in regard to the sick boy to reveal to the dad how long the dad had been hanging on to disappointment. Maybe Jesus was really saying, how long have you let 
This situation caused you to be disappointed. Because the situation, the issue in the breakthrough and the healing, that's not, a bit, that's not hard for Jesus. In fact, the story said that when Jesus saw the crowd coming again, because at this point Jesus has pulled the man aside and he's having a one-on-one conversation. And the Bible says when Jesus sees the crowd coming, he didn't want to create a stir, so he just healed the boy on the spot just to get the job done. Maybe the reason for this whole conversation is Jesus is not concerned about the issue. He says, I can fix this in a second. I'm What I want to deal with is the root issue. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. What God maybe Jesus is saying in this situation is don't worry, don't focus about the issue you need to break through. I, I want to deal with the heart. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe all the time you're praying for a blessing. And you need to be, instead of praying, God bless me, God bless me, you need to pray, God, deal with my heart. Create in me a clean heart so I'm the type of person that you can trust blessing with. Maybe it's saying, Lord, would you do a work in me? Lord, would you show me the things that are maybe holding me back? Begins with, Disappointment then leads to discouragement, then becomes disillusionment. And finally, if it's undealt with, it'll just end in doubt and unbelief. I want to begin wrapping. There's so much more in this that I think we can learn, but for sake of time. We see this because the man, now he says, now he questions How long has this been happening? From childhood, thrown him into the fire, tries to destroy him. But but if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. You can hear now there's a level of, it's now become just a frustration. If you can do something, how about you look at our situation And work this thing out. Have you ever talked to God like that? Don't raise your hand. Where we take our doubts determines the effect they have on our lives. Remember the story of Jesus when Jesus raised Lazarus. Remember that? Jesus is chilling with the disciples. And Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, they run to Jesus. And they say, Jesus... We need a breakthrough. Jesus just plays it super cool. He's like, I'm going to chill. I'll be there in a few days. I love the fact that we get more worked up about our situations than Jesus does. He's not. He says, I can deal with it today, three days, four days. Finally, Jesus shows up. And the Bible says that Martha runs out to Jesus in fact, the Bible actually, it puts down, not only does it, it doesn't not make mention of Mary, it actually says, but Mary stayed home. Remember, Mary was the, Mary was the worshiper. Mary was the one that felt. She was the one that was, she was the emotional one. She was the one that was all heart. Sometimes the ones that are all heart, 
can get disappointed that much quicker. Because when we're all heart, we put it all out there. And the Bible says Mary's not there. Where's Mary? She's disappointed. She's back at the house thinking it's all over. And she's disappointed that Jesus didn't come three or four days ago. But what separates Mary and Martha in this story? Because if you look at Martha's response, Martha is disappointed as well. Because Martha says to him, if you had been here, I appreciate you coming. I'm just disappointed that you didn't show up earlier. If you had blessed me, if you had moved in my kid's life, if you had stopped that divorce from going down, if you had somehow showed me, somehow protected me, we can slip into disappointment so quickly. But I love Martha's response. She doesn't hold her disappointment at home. She takes her disappointment that has now across those days, we know it by Martha's, what she says to Jesus when He shows up, that disappointment festered and then they got discouraged and then they got disillusioned. And by the time Jesus showed up at the grave, now they're in doubt. Because now she's saying, if you had been here, you could have done it. But now it's too late. Now it's too late. Now I don't even know if you can do a work. Now I don't even know. My kid is so far gone. If you had a move when they came to that church service, why didn't you encounter them? Now they're so far gone. I don't even know if you can do this. Where you take your doubts and your disappointment determines the effect it'll have on your life. Because what I love about this man, he goes through this journey. He goes through all of this challenge. But then finally, and this is what I love, when Jesus says to him, if you can believe, the band says to Jesus, If you can do something, he said, no, no, no. Jesus puts it back on the man. He says, if you believe, all things are possible. Jesus is constantly hitting heart. The man keeps talking circumstance. Jesus keeps speaking heart. The man keeps diverting to the issue. But Jesus keeps saying, no, no, no. Forget the issue. I'm dealing with you. And then look at what, finally, I love it. Finally, the dude cracks. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm caught in the dilemma of disappointment. Because the disappointment that I'm holding, hear what he's saying? I believe, but help my unbelief. I want my breakthrough, 
But I'm actually disappointed that I even need a breakthrough. I want you to bless me, but I'm just disappointed that I find myself constantly in this place of lack and need. I want my healing, but I'm disappointed that I'm sick. I want my family restored, but I'm disappointed that you let it fall apart in the first place. It's the dilemma of disappointment. The problem is we get our arms so full of past disappointments that we've got nothing to grab a hold of breakthrough with. Where has the enemy allowed disappointment to come in? It'll rob you of your breakthrough. It'll rob you of your victory. What do we do with it? We take the disappointment We take the frustrations and we give it all to Jesus. Isaiah 49, 23 says, Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Because really what we're disappointed in, we're actually disappointed that things didn't go the way we thought they should have. Maybe it's been on the, like we talked about the other week, on the divine detours that you allowed disappointment in. But this morning, I felt like God wanted me to share this word and give you an opportunity to say, Lord, I give you all disappointment. I give you all discouragement, all disillusionment. The greatest place we can be as Christians is the place where this dude is right now. He says, God, I'm, I'm done. God, this is, this is me. This is what I believe. This is what I struggle with. I think when we get to that place, God just breathes a breath of fresh air and says, this is what I want all the way along. We feel like we've got to have it all together to come before God, but trying to have it all together actually creates space between us and God. Right across this room, let's stand to our feet on our pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.